You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Bhutan on the Calvary Brighton Podcast. Now let me ask you this, a show of hands, how many of you love chili con carne? And it's good, that's not a trick question. How many of you, you know, maybe not at 10 o'clock in the morning, but how many of you love chili con carne? You know, uh, you know, or you know, maybe it's maybe it's Wendy's chili. You know, remember, remember Wendy's chili, uh, or you know, maybe maybe prefer the can. You know, a can of Hormel chili or something. Or you know, uh, on the internet, I ran across this recipe for for uh, uh, <coughs> what was it? Uh, Mouth watering, meatless chili con carne, vegan style. <laughs> hey, newsflash: uh, the the phrase con carne means with meat. You cannot have, you know, uh, meatless chili con carne, ch- you know, meatless chili with meat. That, that makes no sense. I mean, vegans, am I right? I mean, <laughs> well, listen, as, 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 we, as we look at chapter 3 this morning, we, we need to realize, and I've said it before, but f- the book of 1 Corinthians was actually a letter from the Apostle Paul, and it's a letter of confrontation. It's a letter of correction. It's a letter of rebuke. The Apostle Paul was rebuking the Corinthian church. Why? Well, because you might say they were Christians con carne. Now, here's what I mean by that. Uh, Back in verse 1, again, Paul says, Brothers, I cannot address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. Now, if you're reading from the New King James Version, yours would say as carnal. I couldn't address you as spiritual, uh, but rather as carnal. Now, that word carnal or flesh, it's the Greek term sarkinos. It means fleshly, but later on it was translated into the Latin carna, which then later was translated into the Spanish carne, uh, as in you know, chili con carne, right? Uh, and so really the Corinthians were, 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 were Christians con carne. They, they were Christians with flesh. You see, they were Christians, but the problem was that they were carnal Christians. Uh, They were Christians who were living according to the flesh rather than living according to the spirit. They were Christians con carne. So now with that, as we go back now and look at verses 1 and 2, we see that first of all the problem was, was that the Corinthians were fleshly and immature. They were fleshly and immature. And so again in verse 1, Paul says, But I, brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. And even now, you're not yet ready. And so Paul starts off by saying, I could not address you as spiritual people. Now, by the way, if, if you go back to chapter 2 and you kind of look at this in context, you're going to see in, in, in chapter 2 that, that, that Paul's making a contrast. He's making a contrast. Because back in chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says this. He says, For the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit, neither can he know them. They are spiritually discerned. And so in chapter 2, Paul's talking about the quote-unquote natural man. That is, not the Christian man, not a person who's a Christian, not a person who has the Holy Spirit in them, but rather the non-Christian, the unbeliever, the natural man. But then in chapter 3, now Paul's talking about the spiritual man, the, the spiritual person. So we have this contrast between the natural man versus the spiritual man. Now, by the way, that word natural, as in natural man, chapter 2, verse 14, that word natural is the Greek word psukikos. It, it's a word that, uh, that, that refers to those who, who, who are ruled by, by the desires of their flesh. They're, they're ruled by, by, by the cravings of their flesh. 
you know, kind of like an animal. You know, like an animal that's, that's ruled by, by its instincts, ruled by, 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 by its desire to satisfy the cravings of its flesh. It's, it, it's hunger in the flesh. You know, in fact, this past week, maybe, maybe you heard about this story of this, of this bear, I think it was in Tennessee, that, that was hungry, and it could smell food in a car, so it broke into the car, and, and, and you know, I don't know if it had a Slim Jim or what, but somehow broke into the car, and, 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 then, and then found the food, ate the food, but then couldn't figure out how to get out of the car. And because it was in Tennessee, it was really hot, and the poor thing actually died in the car. It was like it was a trap. Now listen, the reason that thing got trapped in this car was because it was following the cravings of its flesh. It, it, it's the hunger of the flesh. And that's how the natural man lives. The natural man in this world lives by, by, by the cravings of their flesh. In fact, speaking of the cravings of the flesh, Hugh Hefner, you know, of Playboy, I mean, who could be better to talk about the cravings of the flesh than Hugh Hefner? Yeah, but Hugh Hefner once said, he said, Sex is, is a function of the body, uh, a drive which a man shares with animals. It's like eating or drinking. It's a physical demand that must be satisfied, and if you don't satisfy it, you'll have all sorts of neurosis and psychosis. And see, that, that's how the world thinks. That's, that's how the natural man thinks. To the natural man who's not a Christian, uh, the, the natural man is driven by the cravings of the flesh. Kind of like the guy uh, a, a couple of decades ago who wrote into the columnist, Dear Abby. And he wrote and he said, Dear Abby, I'm in love and I'm having an affair with two different women. No, I can't marry them both. So please tell me what to do. And, and by the way, don't give me any of that morality stuff. So she writes back and answers. She says, Sir, the only difference between humans and animals is morality. So please write to a veterinarian. But you see, that's the natural man. The natural man lives for the cravings of the flesh, whereas the spiritual man lives to feed the things of the spirit. They're driven by the things of the spirit. So here was the problem. The problem was, was that these Christians living in the ancient city of Corinth, you know, you know they, they were Christians. And so they should be spiritual people by now. They should be spiritual, but they're carnal. You see, they, they should be people driven by the things of the Spirit, but instead they're driven by the things of the flesh. And so they were believers, but they were living like unbelievers. They were Christians, but they were living like non-Christians. Listen, to a degree, we, we all as Christians struggle to a degree, you know, uh, with this battle between the Spirit and the flesh, right? You know, we, 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 have, we have the desires of the Spirit, but at the same time we have the desires of the flesh, and we have like this, this, this tug-of-war between the two, and we all have this battle. I mean, even Jesus said in, in Matthew 26, 41, he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we have this battle between the spirit and the flesh. You see, the Bible teaches that, that now that you're a Christian, you basically have two natures. You, you have your old nature, and, but now as a Christian, you have a new nature. You have your old fleshly nature, but now you have a, a, a revived spiritual nature. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. Paul said that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in, in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And so you, you put off the old and you put on the new. But we have this battle between the old nature and the new nature. Or as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, 17, uh, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
And so now that you're a Christian, you are a new creation. But here's the problem. The problem is that the old creation is still alive. And we battle it every day. We have this, this constant battle between the old and the new. In fact, we, you read Romans chapter 7. You see that the Apostle Paul talked about that very battle. Where now that you have two natures, you, you, have, you have the spiritual nature that wants to do spiritual things. But you have the fleshly nature that wants to do fleshly things. And it's, it's like the more you want to do the things of the spirit, the more you struggle and you end up doing the things of the flesh. You, the more you want to please the Lord, the more you end up you know, sinning and, and, and doing something stupid. And so you have this, this constant battle between the flesh and the spirit. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> it's not COVID. It's... it's uh, Two services, it wears you out. Um, so you have this constant battle. But, but listen, here's the problem. The, 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 you, we, we all have this, this struggle. We all have this, this internal tug of war, and, that, and that's normal. That's normal Christian living. We, as long as we're on this planet, as long as we have this thing called flesh, we're going to battle with the flesh. But the picture that the Apostle Paul's painting, on the other hand, is, is not that they were just struggling with, 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 with the desires of the flesh. They weren't struggling. They, they had fully given into it. They weren't occasionally struggling and, and every now and then giving into their flesh. No, listen, in their particular case, they were living by the flesh. They were Christians, but, but they weren't living. They, they weren't even struggling. They, they, they just flat out were now just living as if they were not Christians. They were living by the flesh. And by the way, can I, let, me, let me point out that, that the way the Apostle Paul saw the Corinthians is not the same way the Corinthians saw themselves. See, when the Corinthians looked at themselves, they, they, they saw themselves as being super spiritual. They saw themselves as being, as being spiritual giants, but when the Apostle Paul looked at them, he didn't see spiritual giants, he saw spiritual babies. In fact, we see that back in verse 1. After he says, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, he then says, as infants in Christ. They, 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 they were spiritual babies, just, you know, babes in the Lord. Now listen, you have to understand that, that as we look at this, uh, the, this book, that, that one of the sub-themes in the book of 1 Corinthians is, is, is the theme of pride. The Apostle Paul is confronting their pride. This seemed to be a very prideful church. In fact, one of the key phrases that you'll see repeated over and over is the phrase puffed up, puffed up. You know, for example, uh, uh, when it came to, 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 to the division in this church over, over them fighting over who their favorite preacher was, uh, this division, the Apostle Paul refers to it in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, and he says that they are puffed up against one another. In other words, the root of their division, the root of their fighting with each other, their, the root of that was their own pride. The reason there was division was because of their pride. Then in chapter 4, verse 19, then Paul confronts those who are puffed up in their speech. You know, they're just arrogant in their speech. They want to sound smarter than they really are. They're puffed up in their speech. Then in chapter 5, verse 2, then Paul confronts how prideful they were, how puffed up they were, uh, because they, they, they were all like, you know, we're, we're so accepting and we're so tolerant and we're so loving when it came to a certain particular sinful lifestyle within that church. And Paul said that they were puffed up. Then later on in chapter 8, Paul then uh, warns them that knowledge puffs up. And then finally, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in the context of spiritual gifts, Paul then says, love is not puffed up. 
And so this was a church that, that took great pride in how loving they were, but they were riddled with division. This is a church that took great pride in how spiritually gifted they were, but they were riddled with carnality. This was a church that, that took great pride in, in being spiritually mature, but the Apostle Paul says they were spiritual infants. He says that they were just nursing on the milk of the word when they should have, by this point in their life, they should have been feeding on the meat of the word. They think they're mature. They think they're all that. They think that they've, uh, that they've climbed up this, this, this ladder of ascent. He says, you're just babes in Christ. You're still nursing on the milk of the word. I did point out that this was a, contra, you know, a confrontational message, by the way. <laughs> and so now Paul continues to confront them in verses 3 and 4. And he says that, that their behavior was, was carnal rather than spiritual. He just he kind of wants to rub it in a little bit more. Verse 3, he says, you are still of the flesh. For, for, where, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human. Now remember, back in chapter one, we saw that, that there was sort of this cult of personality thing going on. You know, we, we saw back in chapter one that, that the Corinthians were saying, well, you know what, I'm of Paul, and, and I'm of Apollos, and, and I'm of Cephas. Now Cephas was the Aramaic version of the name Peter. But basically, they, they were divided into these little camps, these, these little groups, based on who their favorite preacher was. You know, and, and so this was my favorite preacher, so I am of Paul, and, and, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Peter. And, and so Paul responds and says, it says you know, uh, uh, in, in, in verse 4, he says, are you not merely human? Are you not merely being human? Now, by the way, can I point out that that's really not my favorite English rendering of this? The way the ESV, the English Standard Version, just rendered it when it says, are you not merely being human? And it's not my favorite because it almost makes it sound like, you know, hey, it's, it's no big deal. You know, we're, 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 we're merely human. You know, we're, we're just human. I mean, we all make mistakes. We, we all mess up. You know, it's, it's no biggie. No, no, no worry. You know, kind of like that, that 80s song back in the day that says, I'm only human of flesh and blood born to make mistakes. And some of you are like, you know, there he goes with the 80s again. You know, 80s Paul. Okay, well, how about this reference? Ragabone man who said, I, 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 I'm only human after all. Don't put the blame on me. Some of you are like, regular bone, what? Just Google it. Hey, but, but I don't think it's the best rendering when it says, are you not being merely human? I, I, I much prefer the New King James Version, by the way, uh, on this particular point, when, it, when the New King James says, are you not carnal? Are you not carnal? You see, the idea is, it's not saying, hey, you know, we're all human. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. It's okay, buddy. You know, just hang in there. You know, way to go you. You know, just we're all, we all screw up. No big deal. No, that's not the idea. The idea is, is, is that the Corinthians, again, they thought of themselves as being spiritual giants. You know, they were like, hey, no one is, is more spiritual than we are. And so now the Apostle Paul is basically putting them in their place. And he's like, hey, listen, you know, for, for a church that always brags about how spiritual you are, you know, for a church that always brags about how you're filled with the Holy Spirit and how you're walking in the Spirit and, and you do this in the Spirit and that in the Spirit, you know, you sure seem awfully carnal. I mean, look at how divided you are. You know, you're saying, I am of Paul and I am of Apollos. And he says, are you not merely carnal, fleshly? 
In fact, later on, the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians gives us a list of what he calls the works of the flesh. In chapter 5, he he contrasts the works of the flesh against the fruit of the Spirit. But in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, the Apostle Paul says, Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it's Paul's list, not mine. Email him. Um, But now notice, uh, you know, you know, he, he says, these are the works of the flesh. Now, typically speaking, whenever we think of the work of the flesh, you know, we, we tend to think of, uh, you know, it's easy to think of like, you know, sexual sins, right? You know, lust and, and pornography and adultery. In fact, even in Galatians 5, he mentions orgies. Now, by the way, all of those things that, that we just mentioned, every one of those things, the Corinthian church were involved in. They were doing all of those things, every single one of them. But then Paul goes on to mention in Galatians chapter 5 things like strife, envy, dissension, and division. And it's all under the category of works of the flesh. Works of the flesh. You see, what Paul's saying is that for all their boasting about how spiritual they are, how they're so spiritually mature, he says, you know what? They seem to have more works of the flesh, more works of carnality than they did fruit of the Spirit. They claim they're so spiritual, but they have very little fruit of the Spirit, but they've got a whole lot of works of the flesh, including division. And so now, just in case they weren't really getting the point before, now Paul hammers it in, in, in verses 5 through 8, and he, and he lets them know they had the wrong emphasis. You've heard me say it before. It's one of my favorite things. They, they, they were putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> they had the wrong emphasis. And so in verse 5, Paul said, What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. And so here Paul is simply confronting their overemphasis on man and their underemphasis on God. Their underemphasis on God. Now again, the issue was, was that this was a fractured church. This was a divided church. They had this whole cult of personality thing going on. You know, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos and I follow Peter. And so Paul's like, hey, what is Paul? What, what, what is Apollos? He says, just servants. You may remember Jesus said in John 13, 16, he said, most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. See, Paul's point is, is that, you know what? You shouldn't be followers of the servant. You should be followers of the master. Get your eyes off of the servant. Put your eyes back on the master. And so Paul's just saying, hey, listen, you know what? We're just tools in the carpenter's hand. You know, the, the tools aren't greater than the carpenter. Or to kind of follow out Paul's farming analogy here, you know, you've got the seed, you've got the soil, but, but the seed or the soil, they're not greater than the farmer who, who kind of makes the whole thing happen. And so, in effect, the Corinthians had made the ministry all about the minister, all about the man. I like the way J. Vernon McGee put it in his commentary. McGee says, 
The important thing is not who the preacher is. The important thing is whether God is using him. If God is using him, then God should have the credit for the results. Give God the praise and glory. And so really, this is a reminder that, that when our eyes are on the Lord, there's unity but as, as a result. But when our eyes are on man, the result is division. When our eyes are on man, the, re, the result is division. And so in this Corinthian church, there was nothing but division. Why? Well, because one person had their eyes on Paul. Another had their eye on Apollos. Another one on Peter. Their eyes were on man, not on God. But as Hebrews 12.2 reminds us, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Get our eyes off of man and put our eyes back on God. So now with that, I want us to go back and, and look at the first four verses once again. Because in those first four verses, what we have is a contrast between the spiritual Christian versus the carnal Christian. The spiritual versus the carnal. So verse one says again, but I, brothers, could not address you as, as, as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. And even now you're not yet ready, for, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Now, what I want you to notice in those four verses is, is that five times in, in four little verses, we see words like, like flesh, like carnal, and like human. But in the Greek language, it's all the same word. It's that Greek word I told you earlier, sarkinos, fleshly, later translated into the Latin carna, or as we said in Spanish, carne. And so again, these, 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 these Christians in Corinth, they were Christians con carne, not Christians with flesh, they were Christians in the flesh. Yeah, they were Christians, but they were living, not in the spirit, they were living in the flesh. So what are the marks of, 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 of being fleshly rather than spiritual? What are the marks of living in the flesh rather than living in the spirit? Well, as I've mentioned over and over, this church, the Corinthian church, they, they were a divided church. They were fighting with each other. Now, by the way, in addition to, to fighting with each other over their favorite preacher or fighting over who baptized them, we're also going to see as we study this book called 1 Corinthians that, that this was a church that also abused their spiritual gifts, which, by the way, that's a mark of carnality, not a mark of spirituality. When you have spiritual gifts, but you go way over the top and you, and, you, and, and you abuse those spiritual gifts, that's not being spiritual, that's being carnal when you abuse the spiritual gifts. And now, along with that, we see that, 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 that this was a church that, 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 that was filled with drunkenness and, and, and divorce and, and, and even sexual sin, including, by the way, incest. And so as one writer put it, if churches were graded, the church at Corinth would, would be given a D for divided, defiled, and drunk. <laughs> Listen, this book called 1 Corinthians is so relevant, and I've said it before, it's so relevant, it could have been called First Americans, okay? I mean, you think of, about the state of the church in America today. You know, you just take sexual scandals, by, by the way. You think of all the sexual abuse cases that have, that have been uncovered in, in, in the modern church just in the last year. I mean, just, just the, the stuff that we hear in the news over and over again. If, you know, I mean, you know, take the, the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, for example, I mean, just this past month, they have been brought through the ringer with, with, with scandal after scandal after scandal to the point that, that they're on the verge of fragmenting. They're on the verge of, 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 of possible collapse. 
But it's not just the SBC. It's not just the Southern Baptist Convention. It's the Presbyterians. It's, it's, it's the Lutherans. It's the Methodists. It's the non-denominationals. It's nearly every facet of American Christianity. In fact, three weeks ago, I read about a pastor by the name of John Lowe. Now, John Lowe pastors a, a non-denominational charismatic church uh, called New Life Christian Church and World Outreach. So three weeks ago on a Sunday morning, he got up and, and, and to his whole congregation from the pulpit, he confessed that, that he, had a, he, he had committed adultery 20 years ago. Now, as he's confessing his adultery, as, he, as he's confessing this affair, all of a sudden things were interrupted when the quote-unquote victim took the stage. It wasn't planned. It's just that as he's talking and confessing this whole thing, she comes up with her husband, and, and she comes up and, and she clarifies that this was not an adulterous relationship. This was not a, a, an affair that they were having, but rather it was sexual abuse because it happened when she was just 16 years old. And we hear story after story after story like this in our modern time. What I'm saying to you is, is that the American church today is no different than the ancient church of Corinth back in that day. Same problems, different names in different times. It's the same stuff over and over again. But what I want you to notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the issue that the Apostle Paul is calling out the Corinthians for, the, the issue that Paul is calling carnal and calling fleshly, he, he's not, in, in this chapter anyway, he's not talking about their sexual sin. He's not talking about drunkenness. Now, he will in later chapters. He'll get to those things. But ex exclusively in this chapter, in chapter 3, the issue that Paul is calling carnal was the issue of division. He uses words like jealousy in this chapter, words like strife in this chapter. He says, in verse 4, he says, for, one, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? There's that word again, sarkinos, fleshly, carnal. Now listen, typically, you know, in our modern day context, whenever we think about division in the body of Christ nowadays, you know, it's, it's easy for us to, to think of things like, like denominationalism, right? You know, the, the Baptists versus the Presbyterians or, or the Lutherans versus the, the Episcopalians or this group versus that group. And then you've got the non-denoms and, and we're against everybody, you know, just, you know, just, just division everywhere. You know, it's like the guy who, who died and went to heaven, and he's talking to Peter. This is a true story, by the way. And, you know, and Peter's showing him around heaven, and, and, he, and he takes him on this tour, and he, and he shows him the, 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 the pearly gates and the, and the streets of gold and, 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 and rooms made of jasper. And then all of a sudden, they come by this one room, and Peter turns and says, shh, be very quiet. And so they, they get by that room, and the guy's like, hey, what was that all about? And Peter says, oh, well, back in that room, that was a room filled with nothing but Baptists, and they think they're the only ones here. Uh, but you see, that's what we tend to think of when, when we think of division in the body of Christ. But can I say to you that today, in, in 2022, the day in which we live, the division that we face makes the division of, of denominationalism look like mere child's play compared to the things that Christians are dividing over today. Listen, right now we live in a, in a generation where, where Christians fight and divide literally over everything. I mean, you know, we, we fight over politics, over, over racism, over COVID. And now, because of, of the ruling uh, this past week by, by the Supreme Court, now we're going to fight over abortion. And then next week, there's going to be another issue. And then the week after that, another issue. And then the next month, another issue. And, then, and we're just going to fight and fight and fight and fight. No wonder one writer for the Christian Post put it this way this week. She said, 
We're not loving one another. We're demonizing one another, hating one another, and fighting one another. No wonder fewer Americans claim to belong to the church. In fact, experts are now warning us that, that young people, ages 16 and up, young people are, are leaving the church by the droves today. And they're now calling themselves ex-evangelicals. Not evangelicals, ex-evangelicals. Which is just a way to say that they're not Christians. They don't identify with the church. They don't identify with, with this version of Christianity. Now, according to the experts, uh, the, the top two reasons, now this, this is not my opinion, this is just what the experts are saying. But according to the experts, the top two reasons that, that young people are leaving the church today, number one, the number one reason they're leaving is quote-unquote hyper-political partisanship within the church. This constant battle between liberal versus conservative, and, and, and I'm not saying those things aren't important to talk about. I'm just telling you the experts are saying that's why so many young people are leaving. That's the number one reason they're leaving. And then number two, the second reason they're leaving is, quote, widespread acceptance of conspiracy theories in Christian circles. In fact, one survey says that, that, that Christians are more than two times more likely to believe in conspiracy theories than, than, than the, quote, unquote, religiously unaffiliated. In other words, non-Christians. Now listen, it's not the fact that, that some people might believe in some of this stuff. It's not the fact that you believe in it. That, that's the problem. You know, I mean, you know, it's not the fact that some of you might believe that, that birds aren't real. You heard about this? That's a thing. You know, there's this whole thing that birds aren't real. You know, they, you know no, no, birds aren't real. It's, it's just, they're just, they're just drones spying on you. It's a real thing. It's, I mean, no, it's not a real thing. Actually, it was discovered it's a hoax. It's, it's not a real conspiracy theory. It's, it's a hoax that a group of young people put together on the internet just to see how many people they could fool with it and, and get to buy into it. And guess what? A lot of people got fooled by it. You're like, wait a minute, it's a hoax? I mean, all week I've been avoiding birds. Uh, you know, or, or it's, it's not the fact that you might believe that, that there's a conspiracy at the, at the highest levels of government or, or this or that or the other. It's not a fact that you might be believe those things that's a problem. No, the, the fact is, is, that, is that it's the body of Christ fighting with each other over those things. It's the fact that the body of Christ is divided against itself, fighting against itself, fighting with each other over those things, and that's what's turning so many young people off. We're supposed to be the body of Christ, one body, but they see how, 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 how divided we are, how, how, how angry we are, and now how much we're fighting with each other, and whatever we call ourselves, they don't want anything to do with that. That's what's turning them off. Now, on that note, the Apostle Paul once said to his young protege in the ministry, Timothy, he said in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 22 through 24, Paul said, so flee youthful passions and, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that, 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 that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. That's interesting. In verse 22, Paul puts us under the banner of fleeing youthful passions, fleeing youthful lusts. Now, you know, typically, you know, when, when we think of youthful passions, we think of youthful lusts, you know, typically we, we, we think of, of things like, like sexual temptations, right? Or, or maybe, maybe peer pressure, or maybe drinking, or maybe partying. Now, Paul is talking about some of those things. But in addition to those things, he's also implying what Paul has in mind when he talks about youthful passion and youthful lust, he also has in mind being argumentative. 
Notice in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, Paul says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. They breed arguments. And so what Paul's basically saying is, listen, you know, division, or if you would, lust for, for fighting, the lust for, for arguing over, over the latest controversy and the latest this and the latest that, the lust and the thirst to fight over those things, he's saying, you know what? That's a mark of spiritual immaturity. He put it under the banner of youthful passions. He put it under the banner of youthful lust. In fact, we see that same sentiment here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, when, when Paul says, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. And then he says, as infants in Christ. So what he's saying is that you know, your division is a sign of infancy. It's not a sign of maturity. It's a sign of infancy, spiritual infancy. So now back to, back to, to Paul's protege, Timothy. In 2 Timothy, Paul's telling Timothy, in, 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 in a sense, he's saying, listen, don't, don't get caught up in this stuff. You know, don't, don't, don't fall for the banana and the tailpipe. Don't, don't, get, don't, don't fall for this stuff. Don't get caught up in, in fighting over this and fighting over that. He says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, he says, flee youthful passions. Flee youthful lusts. That word flee there in, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, it's the Greek word fuego. We get the word fugitive from it, but, but in that day it was used of a, of a runaway slave. And it's the idea that, 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 that you're running away from the very thing that wants to enslave you. Now what's interesting is, is that when Paul tells Timothy and he tells us to, to flee youthful passions, in the original Greek, it's, it's in a Greek tense called the present imperative tense. Now a present imperative tense in the Greek just means two things. Number one, it means it was a command. In other words, we're not, we're not being suggested. It's not a suggestion that you might want to possibly sort of kind of consider thinking about maybe sort of kind of running if you have the opportunity, perhaps. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's like your CEO, your commanding officer. You've been given a direct order. So you, you've been told to flee. You've been commanded to run. Now, number two, the second thing that a present uh, Greek imperative means is, 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 that it, is that it's an ongoing activity. It's ongoing. In other words, listen, it's not enough just to flee temptation one time in your life as a Christian. But rather, the, the Christian life is, is, is a life of a fugitive. The Christian life is, is a life where you are constantly on the run from the thing that wants to enslave you. You're living your life constantly on the run, fleeing temptation, fleeing the thing that wants to enslave you. So think of it this way. Uh, the, 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 the spiritual Christian, the spiritually mature Christian, not only flees sexual temptation, the spiritually mature Christian not only flees uh, the temptation to drink or the temptation to party or, or this or that or the other, but listen, the, the, the spiritually mature Christian also flees the temptation to fight and to argue and to divide. Think of it this way. Carnal Christians divide. Carnal Christians fight. Carnal Christians argue. Spiritual Christians flee carnality. I'll close with this. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. It says, six things the Lord hates. Emphasis on the word hates. Six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven that are an abomination to him. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. 
The one who, who fights with his brother in Christ, his sister in Christ. The one who, who's causing discord in the body of Christ. Discord, disunity in the church. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.